Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One and all, and welcome to Book Off, the literary podcast with a difference. I'm Joe Haddow, and whether you're a brand new listener or one of our old friends, it's great to have you with us. We're recording this on Valentine's Day, so literary love is in the air, and how could it not be when I'm in such esteemed literary company? My first guest is the author of two works of nonfiction, which includes The Brilliant Love Nina, which was adapted into a BBC TV series by Nick Hornby a few years ago. She has also published four novels, including Reasons to be Cheerful, the only novel to have won both the Bollinger Everyman Woodhouse Prize for comic fiction and the Comedy Women in Print Prize, brackets, see one of our previous episodes with the wonderful Helen Lederer who started that prize, if you want to know a bit more. Here to tell us about her latest novel, One Day I Shall Astonish the World. Joining us all the way from Cornwall, it's Nina Stibby. Welcome to you. Hi, thanks so much for having me. It's lovely to have you here and to see you on the screen in glorious Technicolor, and we wish that you could be around our round table, but sadly it wasn't to be this time, but it's great to have you with us. And my second guest is a multi-million selling, internationally renowned author whose genre-defined novels include Rachel's Holiday, Anybody Out There, and Grown Ups. She's been the chair of judges for the Comedy Women in Print Prize. That's two mentions. And she's also a sponsor of the Curtis Brown Creative Novel Writing Scholarship. She's incredibly supportive of other writers, a Twitter favourite to many, and is here to talk about her 15th novel again Rachel Marianne Keys. hello and welcome to you thank you so much for having me it's lovely to be here what a joy to have you both with us lovely to have you in person Marianne in oh, the studio it's so nice to actually be with you know a Humans. sentient being yeah. yes exactly <laughs> yeah uh, I mean the last I mean Zoom is a godsend in many many ways um but it's tough. I think like looking at our own face like day in, day out, like eight hours a day, it's incredibly bad for us. Yeah. It, it does something incredibly weird to human beings. Yeah. I'm so glad I don't have to see myself and have a conversation now. <laughs> at then. yourself. Yes, 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 exactly. Yeah. And you two know each other a little bit. Do you? You've yes. met before? Yeah, we have. We've only met briefly, but I adore her um when her first when love nina came out i just fell in love with her and then when nina wrote her first novel and uh uh what's the word proofs were doing the rounds on twitter i tweeted my cat is sad because i haven't got the proof of nina stibby's new book (laughs) and p.s i don't even have a cat and then and then we became kind of best friends didn't we nina and um, yes we did and i love Everything she does. I think she is an absolute genius. And I really, really, really want to talk about One Day I Shall Astonish the World because you have moved into new realms of like ex- excessive geniusness with this. Honestly, no, I mean it. Like it is very, it's lovely to see your talent, you know, evolve and mature. If that doesn't sound incredibly patronising, it's just I've been doing this for 30 years. So, you know, I feel... I'm able to kind of comment on other people's, you know, <laughs> skills and wonderfulness. Thank you. Well, we do know each other over the years because, as Marion says, she 
she tweeted about me when I was literally no one knew who I was. I'd got this book out and I woke up one morning in a premier inn and I I just opened Twitter. I was already tweeting. I'd been on Twitter for a few years, so I was already tweeting. I hadn't got many followers. But there was this tweet from Marion Keys, and I I couldn't believe it. And I rang my mum and she said, it won't be the same one. It won't be the real one. Because my mum, I said, no, it really is the real one. And that is, it's really important that because it reminds us, me now as an established writer, just how much supporting new writers can do. Mm. You know, between Marion and... Nick Hornby, and maybe a couple of others, they launched me. Without that, you know, yeah. you just don't know. So we we do like to support other writers, and Marion is the queen of that. Oh, I'm not. No. Like, you were, you, no, you were going to be a star one way or the other. I just felt incredibly lucky to have read this, like, this beautiful book. And, you know, you are unique. Uh, the way you manage words in a way that just, you know, you assemble sentences that are so very, very, very funny and charming. It, it's very rare to, to come across that. Like, it was such a but delight. Marian, you, you seriously could be describing yourself there. No, I, I, I'm, <laughs> no I, I am sorry, no. I cannot take this, no. Like, my humour is a lot broader. Like, yours is, you just assemble gems into, like, a mosaic of delicious funniness. Gosh. This it's, is good, isn't it, well, Nina? But it's true. It's, I can't, yeah, it's amazing. Stick that on I the mean, cover. To have, have Marion Keyes saying this to me. Now, don't forget, I have also just read her new yes. book. And I I read it slowly because I'm doing my copy edits and that, that really puts you in a funny mm. place. And I was very excited about, again, Rachel, because I loved the first book 25 years ago. And and I kind of I was very involved with with um, with Rachel's holiday because it was published by my sort of aunt. Do you know that? Me? Yeah, I do. Oh, Joe, you mightn't. I my, didn't yeah, know this. My no. publisher, Louise Moore, was married to Nina's uncle. Uncle. Yeah. Oh no way. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so even though she's a year younger than me, she was, for a few years, she was my aunt. And that's really weird because she's very, you know, accomplished and glamorous. Yes. And there's me and she was my old auntie. <laughs> but anyway, so I, I, we in my family knew about the book. Uh, in fact, I think she was married to Patrick then. She was, yeah. She yeah. was because they just had Nell. And so I got the book and I... I, I literally couldn't believe the opening lines of, of that book. I, I couldn't believe it. I was stunned. So, and loved it and have loved Marion. And, and I love, I mean, a book of yours that I really love a lot is this um, Making Up As I Go Along. I often dip into that, uh, which is her sort of essays and articles as well. So it's, she's, she's an all-rounder. But so reading again, Rachel was a very profound event for me. And I wrote to Marion probably about two weeks ago on the train to tell her how I felt. And I couldn't stop crying because although it's very, very funny, I mean, just blissful and you're just laughing the whole time. I mean, I can't, I won't go into detail, but I don't want to spoil this, but oh my God, so, so funny. But some flashbacks of such profound sadness that are completely compelling and I know will be so meaningful to so many people, everybody. So I just, I adore you and your work and congratulations on this oh, utter triumph. Well, Nina, I mean, thank you, but I adore you too. And congratulations on one day I shall astonish you. And I know that we're just being nice to each other, but I really do love you and admire you so much. And you give me so much delight. And yeah, we're going to see each other in Bath with Lucy Mangan, yes, who is also very, very funny. Yeah. And we are going to take the waters. Oh, God. Oh, Yes. But we have, you know, when you go to Bath, what happens is you think, oh, we're going to take the waters. But then you get there, and I just want you not to be disappointed, Marion, because 
There are lines outside of hen parties. Oh, no. Well, OK, I did take the waters there one one November. Yeah. And um, you have to book it. But if you book it for kind of, I don't know, 12 o'clock in the day, maybe that's before the hen parties get up. So we could go oh. then and sit. Let's do yeah, it. Because it is yeah. actually... I mean, I hate getting wet. I don't like anything, really. I like to live in a kind of a cave covered in fur. Um, but I did really enjoy myself that time. And it's up on the roof. Like, yeah, you look out over it, back, definitely. like it's beautiful. When, when, I'll get my publicist, publicist to uh, book it. Cool. When is this uh, event in Bath happening so that people yeah. are not the oh. bu- not taking the, the water? Oh, but there, the everyone event. is welcome for yeah. that as well. Yeah, <laughs> there's a it's, few people who might want to pop down. It's May. It's the Bath Festival. Bath Literary yeah. Festival. Yeah. Excellent. I don't actually know what date yet. We're um, we'll find out. We'll find out it's, and we'll let you know. It's I oh, think you know. it's the end of May, and okay. Marion and I will be doing an event with the brilliant writer Lucy Mangan. Oh, fabulous! It's, I'm right, aren't I? It's the three of us. It is. Oh, yeah. what a combo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her book is fabulous as well. Her, her yeah. book, Are it's We so Having funny. Fun Yet? Yes, it's so funny and very warm. Yeah. Well, this is fab. Well, that's end of May or sometime in May. Yeah. People can look it up. Yeah. They'll find it, the Bath yeah. Festival. Um, and we'll all go for a dip, which I'm very much looking forward to. And over the next sort of 30 minutes here, we're going to talk about these two fabulous books, which you've both mentioned. And there's a lot of love in this room and down the line for each other. Um, we're also going to find out what you've been reading and enjoying recently. And of course, we will do the book off at the end where each of you gets three minutes to tell us all about a book you love and you think that we should all read uh so we've touched on again rachel marion it's 25 years since rachel's holiday i believe isn't it yeah it is can you believe yeah. that because i'm struggling. no no <laughs> like i mean genuinely you know i mean that's like such a kind of a pathetic answer um but like i don't feel that different to the person i was then um I mean, and maybe that was why it was so kind of, it was a real pleasure to write this sequel. It's the first sequel I've written. Mm. Um, And I was very able to connect back in with Rachel, probably because she and I are both recovering. She's a recovering addict, I'm a recovering alcoholic. And we very much had that in common. Um, And also, um, I started writing the book at the start of lockdown when we weren't allowed to see anyone like we couldn't see our family. And the Walsh family in, in, again, Rachel and Rachel's holiday, is kind of inspired by the dynamic of my own family, which is, you know, big personalities, like a lot of talking, you know, a lot of kind of a lot of eating, you know, trans fats and, (laughs) you know, refined sugar. And so it's quite sincerely writing about the Walshes at a time where, like, I could only see my mother from like two metres away. You know, I had to stand at her gate and shout in at her. It was actually immensely comforting. Um, Hmm. It was something I hadn't expected and was actually very grateful for. Um, What else would I say? Uh, I suppose I have tried in those 25 years. I had no idea back then what a bad writer I was um, because I just thought it was all about telling the story and nothing about refining sentences or, you know, I kind of thought if I thought about it, just chuck it in. Hmm. Whereas I think I've become a more disciplined, I mean, that's, a kind of a, a way of apologising for how undisciplined I was. Um, so I tried to stay true to the spirit of the original book and the character of Rachel while offering a more mature, oh, better crafted novel mm. this time round, I hope. Mm. And was it planned? Did you, Were you always going to write this? No, I was never going to write it. I mean, uh, honestly, with each book I've written, I have had this is the last one I'll write. I felt I'm all... No, genuinely. Really? Yeah, it? because... I never knew I was going to be a writer. And the first one I thought I, I could maybe write one book, but never more than that. And each one has been another one of like, oh, thank God I can stay ahead of the posse for one more book. But no. So I had planned n- no further books and definitely not a sequel, because for me, I felt my characters went through enough with each book I'd written that by the time they got to the end, it would be unfair to put them through anything else. A- and I mean that sincerely. And I also felt for me, I just had this weird thing of it wouldn't be fair to the readers to, to start it up again. But I don't know what happened this time, but an idea came to me for the story between Rachel and Luke, basically. Mm. Um, 
And I thought that could work. I could I could research it and I feel I could make a good job or I could try. But I went into it very much of thinking like if it's if it's a bit crap and, and I always know, like I know if it's weak or not good enough, then I'll walk away, you know, and because I did it with a I had tried an earlier sequel with another book and that had been like a like a like a catastrophic failure, like a <laughs> glorious failure. And will that be a certain number of words or chapters before you walk away or what's it's the, more like a feeling, a feeling. Yeah, yeah I mean I, I I wasted six months work on, on the previous book like I'm a very slow writer anyway but yeah with that one I just I tried and tried and tried to kind of reconnect connect with the character and I couldn't mm. couldn't do it mm. so but this one wanted met me halfway I suppose right well we're so glad it did because it's a, it's a fabulous book oh god I you're lovely Joe thank you I loved it and I know many listening will have already got to it probably and love it as well um want to come back and talk a little bit more sure. about it in a moment Marion um Nina let's talk about one day I shall rule the world though which listeners will have to wait a little while if they're listening to this uh, when it's just been put out the podcast that is because this is your new 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 book as in it's not even out until april um can you just set up the story of susan and norma for us maybe just tell us a little bit about them and for those listening yeah um i'm not very good at setting up my own books but i'll try so <laughs> it's 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 a, a, a friendship it's two women in middle age and they've been friends since they were sort of 20 and they've gone in slightly different directions, but they've clung on to the friendship. And we see how it sort of unfolds, how the friendship fits around the infrastructure of their real lives, because friendship has to do that. Um, and uh, one of them is sort of traditionally successful, and the other one is... Uh, less obviously so and that's really what I think the centre of the book is around it there's a workplace it's sort of set in a university because I love workplace novels and I love the workplace aspects in your new novel Marion I love the banter of work and the sort of timetables and the bickering and all that kind of thing so there's a university setting uh, subtly and there's a, there's a couple of marriages thrown in and we get to see them. And for me, it's different uh, from my other books because it's contemporary. Mm. So it's the, the sort of continuous present is, is now, is sort of, you know, a couple of years ago when I wrote yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and that's it, really. Because friendship can be as irritating as it can be wonderful sometimes, I think. And... In this book, I think you just capture friendship wonderfully, or wonderfully, or a friendship wonderfully, should mm. I say, a real long-term friendship here. Mm. Um, do you have Do you have a best friend, Nina? I do have a best friend, and she is a little bit like one of the friends uh, in in the book. Um, and I'm I'm a great champion of friendship. I think friendship is seen as the poor relation to, you know, siblings and. Uh, and marriage and romance. I, like Marion, I come from a massive family, a very big, boisterous, robust family with interesting, fantastic people in it. I've got six or seven brothers and sisters wow. from three different marriages. So I've got sisters and brothers who aren't even related to each other. <laughs> and they can do anything. They can just get away with anything. They can be absolutely fucking horrible. <laughs> But it all is okay. Yeah. But I've got friends who you you owe them twenty seven p, and you just don't see them again because you're a thief. And this, I wanted to address this, and actually, it's been really fascinating. As you say, the book's not published quite yet, but lots of uh, people, you know, in the industry have uh, read it, read a horrible early version anyway, <laughs> and. You know, they've got an awful lot to say about it. And the thing they're saying is, the things they're saying, the things they're talking about is this this friendship and this one particular friend. And uh, they're a bit cross about it. But they didn't mind when I had, you know, awful fathers and siblings and marriages. You know, they, that, that was fine. Mm. No, nothing was ever said about that. But my American publisher said to me, 
I just don't feel held. So you, a bit of a bickery friendship, this is terrible. But when, you know, my stepdad conned my mum out of all her money and shagged someone else, that, that was fine, you felt held. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting reaction, I would say. Yeah. It's very odd, and it's about how we sort of mythologise female friendships, I think. Mm. I mean, I think friendships are as easily as complicated as a marriage. Um, You know, because as well as love, there's a rivalry that's often worse than sibling rivalry. Yeah. Um, And nobody ever talks about when people stop being friends, you know, because there's this kind of, again, this mythology that like it's, you know... What is it? Hoes before bros, if you'll forgive me. Um, You know, but like that, you know, your female friends are always there for you, like where, you know, men will let you down. That is absolutely not the case. And I think an awful lot of people will say, you know, one of the most painful losses of their lives have been when a friendship has gone wrong, a same sex friendship. And, you know, I, I was thrilled to read in One Day I Shall Astonish the World this because they are constant rivals even though they really want the best for each other, um, you know, and even when they want the, you know, when Norma wants Susan to finish her her degree and everything, there is still that feeling that if she had, that it would have been, it would have caused resentment to Norma. Like it is, it's a constant kind of push me, pull you yes, in a relationship like that. And I love that you wrote about it so beautifully. Yeah. Well, we'll see what the world thinks. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I just, I, when I first started writing it, it was much more focused on the marriage. But it became obvious to me that the friendship was much more interesting. Mm. And so poor old Roy was pushed back and, and the, the women came to the fore. But you know, I've really enjoyed writing a contemporary novel. I mean, I've, I've written a lot over the years that hasn't been published. I'm, I'm 60 years old now, so I've I've never had a problem with finding humour and I've I've said before that I've been writing and and funny lines just pop into my head but it didn't happen with this book and I don't know why but it was terrifying because I had to really really work at it I th- I think oh this I've had now had you know this short chapter doesn't have any funny humour any warmth in it so I need to go back and dig about and it's, it's, yeah, it's the first time that's ever happened that I haven't had a funny inner voice chirping up. Um, so I don't know whether that's because I was writing it during lockdown and it was all feeling a bit odd mm-hmm. or whether it was that it was fiction because I've written... Much of my previous writing has been uh, very autobiographical and this one absolutely isn't. I mean, yeah, I've got a friend who's a little bit like one of the characters and I've got, you know, a husband and a dog. And, but I, I, it really is made up and, and it's so hard <laughs> writing fiction. It's horrible. <laughs> Nina, it is really funny. It is. Uh, yeah, but I do think you have evolved, you know, and I think every writer has to do that. Mm. Um, you know, like you've done your first three novels so fabulously. And you are maturing as a talent, as a writer. If that yeah, again, forgive me if that sounds patronising. You, you wrote to me and said that you felt I'd evolved, and I, I told my publisher, <laughs> I told my publisher, and she agreed. And I, I, and I thank you because you know what we're like. We're terrible at taking compliments yeah. or any kind of positive criticism. We we sort of ignore that, and we only listen to the tiny. Yeah, yeah. I bet but, you feel at the moment that on your gravestone it will say they didn't feel held. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I yes. remember every horrible thing that's ever said about me and oh, my work. It's so ridiculous. We micro respond in this way that is so bad for us. But I did. I really have. I'm grown up enough now that I did take on board what you said, and and I think you're right. I think one of the reasons it was very difficult for me to write it was because I was pushing forward and I yes I want to be funny but also I want to write about real you know pain as well Mm. and there is both in this book as there is I mean you're the leader you're the queen of the poignancy and the laughter together 
I, sorry, I I'm, again do very, very badly with praise. Um, yeah, no, but quite sincerely, I think with anyone who has any kind of cur- a career, you know, you will try something different. And, yeah. you know, the people who liked the previous, it may have been, she said it, she said, readers always want you to be exactly the way you were when they first found you. Yeah. And. Mm. But people will adapt. And to be quite honest, I didn't think it was that much of a departure because I still think it's immensely funny. And I love the way you you use things like, you know, a haberdashery, you know, and you can have like a four page uh, description of like looking for buttons. And, <laughs> and that is really funny and delicious. And then you will have one throwaway line where you find out something devastating has happened in real life. I mean, that's your talent that you address life and all its pain, I suppose, through the filter of humorous small things, you know, and that hasn't changed. But you see, I think you do that. And again, you know, I think it's hilarious. Joe's sitting there and we're sort of praising each other. And as the other praises the other, we're cringing and dying. I know, yeah. And Joe's just really sitting back and loving it. I'm loving this. Stop us, Joe. Uh, there's a there's a, 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 a an incident in one of your books, and I think it was grown ups. But please, I'm so sorry. I'm Don't at the worry. age where I forget things. Me if too. I got it wrong. And and she she works in a hotel, and there's a throwaway comment from a guest, I think, who body shames her. And it's not awful, but it's just not very nice. And you just die for her and yet it's so subtly done and it's skillfully done you didn't have to you know have this guy being ridiculously rude he, he wasn't he won't even have known he was being rude do you, do you know what I do I'm talking I about? do I do yeah yeah is it grown up it is it is it's at the start of it's the book up. you're very very and good to remember in that same book the same character who I adore says, I'm not going to say why, because I don't want spoilers, although I'm sure everybody's read it. <laughs> She's desperate to know, does their holiday hotel room have an ensuite? And we just think, oh, she's being a bit fussy. Of course, well, we all want an ensuite now. But then we find out why. And that's what you do. And that is unparalleled. Nobody does it like you. You tell us things without having to write it. And it's miraculous Nina thank you but you have to stop now thank you very much <laughs> though yeah yes Let's yes go off yeah each other. yeah but no quite genuinely your books are magnificent <laughs> no, we'll leave it there now right Joe quick you know, move us on look there's, there's the book off in a few minutes and you're just yeah, going to turn yeah. on each other for yeah. that this this will be out the yeah, window yeah 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 all, this all nice that nice stuff yeah um Let's talk about sex, as Salt and Pepper once said, because recently in an interview, Marion, I read that you said you write about women being sexual past the watershed of 40. Yes. And I think this is one of the many great things about this book, about your writing, and also just so important for us all to be reading in books and seeing on our screens, don't you think? I do. I mean, I. it makes me sad that there's this trope that men you know, past the age of 24, never have the sex they want because the women don't want it. Um, And, you know, it's, I, you know, and I really understand what it is like to be exhausted and to think that sex is just another thing on your to-do list. But it kind of leaves no place for women to, I don't know, to be, to rediscover that when their lives maybe change a bit and they're, you know, they're not so burdened. I just kind of, that kind of whole thing of women being withholders of sex is very unhealthy, I think. Mm. And and it is not accurate. And like I, I really have to say this a million times. You know, if it's not for you, I completely understand. But it may be for you. And, and that you shouldn't feel ashamed to be in your 40s or older. <gasps> you know, and to still feel I am not... I am not embalmed just yet. Exactly. And 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 I'm trying to you know carve out <laughs> a little space, you know, because 
there was a time when if you were 40, like you were as good as dead, like you might as well just go over and, you know, climb into the coffin now and just, you know, wait out a couple of weeks. But we're living longer. We're yeah. healthier. Yeah. You know, there's the owl, if you'll forgive me for mentioning it, the HRT, which it makes it easier, yeah. you know, to feel more alive for longer. Yeah. And but if it's not for you. That's grand. Absolutely fine. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm not putting pressure on anyone. No, no, we are not. But I, wh- I suppose what I'm saying is it's also, very, it, w- it would be very easy for younger people and men to just assume. Yeah. Because that after 40, you don't, re- women yeah. aren't really. Uh, that interested. Yeah. yeah. Because, because that is what we, a yeah. lot of what we read and see is yeah. that. It, it absolutely is. And, you know, I think it depresses men because, they, you know, there's that awful saying of, you know, you have a jar and every time you have sex before um, getting married, you put a penny into the jar and then after you get married, you take a penny out of the jar and the jar will never be empty. That's not necessarily the case, but right. it's this kind of thing. The minute you get married, all the fun stops um, or the minute you kind of, you know, buy a flat together or have mm. a baby or whatever. You know, life is full of m- chapters. Our life changes all the time. And, you know, people could land on a, in a very delicious spell at some age, mm-hmm. you know, where Absolutely. other people would be thinking, oh, no. <laughs> exactly. Oh, <yeah. laughs> I think that's so right. <laughs> uh, before we ask you about uh, what you've both been reading and enjoying recently, I just wanted to come back to this um, point you made, Nina, about sort of putting the comedy into this latest book and having to really sort of find it as opposed to maybe previous books where it's sort of been a bit more free-flowing because you're both here 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 comes me in the gushing praise now you're both incredibly funny writers and you are a joy to read and I wondered we mentioned Helen Lederer earlier the fabulous Helen Lederer she was a, a guest on this podcast we're big fans of the comedy women in print prize that she runs which you won you know which you were the judge for Marion do you think Thinking of that prize, thinking of where we are in 2022, are we celebrating sort of the female comic writers more now than we were sort of five, ten years ago when it was, you know, a bit like, oh, an attitude of, oh, can women be funny? Nina, what do you think? I think things have improved, but they've a long way to go. Mm -hmm. I, I think I'm old enough to remember... Writers like Beryl Bainbridge and, gosh, I'm not going to, you know, Bernice Rubens and others. Barbara Pym. Where, where they could be mm. funny, and they were very, very funny, but they were also seen as literary. Mm. And and there came a time where you had to choose. I mean, I didn't because I, a, a, I wasn't being published at that time, but I thought women had to choose one or the other. So you either had to be... You sort of, yeah, had to lean one way or the other, and that and men haven't had to do that. And this is something Marion's talked about before, where you've got someone like Marion, who is seen as first and foremost a funny writer, and because and and uh, quite rightly she's very very funny, and you do laugh out loud. But another writer, let's say David Nichols, who is also quite funny, but he's he, I mean, I don't know whether he's a bad example, but do you take my point that mm. women have had to choose? And that wasn't always the case. Yes. You know, books I've read as a young woman, very funny, but but they weren't sort of marked down for that. Now, yeah, I, like I, Sue Townsend. I, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sue Townsend, Adrian Mole, if it weren't for that book, I don't think I'd have ever put pen to paper. Because it was, she made it all right to write about anxiety and and to make, you know, ordinary. I mean, mm. God, that kid came from Leicester, even. With, <laughs> you know, I mean, I just read it open mouthed. Yeah. And yeah, she she was utterly fantastic. Um, but yeah, I think things have improved. I think the. Um, People like Marion and Helen Lederer, for instance, leading this recent very calm and rational charge against, for instance, the um, the Woodhouse Prize, 
I mean, it was really fascinating for me. I remember when the news came that they hadn't shortlisted any books, uh, the Woodhouse Prize, because they weren't, they weren't funny enough. And I wrote what I thought was a satirical tweet. I put, fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. But really, I thought for an outfit that purport to support comedy writing, it was the most terrible thing to do. But of course, they got an awful lot of publicity out of that. And then certain key, very, very prominent writers and people in the industry, well, a few of them, Marion included, openly complained about it they didn't do a satirical tweet they said this is not right this is really horrible this is really unfair and not not nice and pointed out the dearth of women etc and then surprise surprise a woman won it and it happened to be me (laughs) i benefited hugely from from that yeah um but but you know i'm not saying i shouldn't have won it i'm just saying it needed to be said and because of that I can't remember but was that five years ago four years ago yeah when was it Nina I think it was 2018 yeah. maybe 17 yeah and, and, and it, it did things to I think changed very quickly Helen set up the yeah prize mm-hmm. and people got, got on board with that and that's been fantastic I mean there are still I I, I don't know if this happens to you Marion but I since I've been sort of more known, um, women write to me and men write to me and women come up to me at events and men come up to me at, at events and women are always very um, adoring of me and they're so supportive and positive and kind and lovely. But men give me ideas. They say, <laughs> you know, I've got a good idea. Oh, of course. Or, and and I think a thing that a lot of them say now, and I, I, you know, I'm not saying this to be horrible to men at all and this isn't by any means all men but I think this is quite sad you know genuinely it's quite sad to see it they tell me that you know they can't get published because it's not fashionable to publish men anymore and it really is the poor white middle-aged man oh how oppressed they are yeah and it just makes me feel a bit sad because I just think wow Well, what's that they say? Um, When you're used to privilege, equality feels like oppression. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And so anyway, that's a long winded response to that question. No, it's great. It's fabulous. And and it's, you know, I I do think it's important to be talking about that. And I remember when Helen set up the Quip Prize and she came on to talk about it with one of her first judges. And, you know, it was she she put a lot of effort to, to start that prize and she, she still did. works she worked really hard so hard yeah and it's so worth it. it's it been so worth it mm, and it's yeah. brilliant to see it still I, going, I love I, I love Helen and I love her talking about it and I I met her when we were both shortlisted years ago uh, we met at a, a, a hotel and she, she was she said if I don't win I'm going to be absolutely furious you know if one of us women don't win I'm going to be furious but she, I know they won't but what <laughs> I, one of the things I most love about Helen because I've I, I was a judge the last time round as well, and it's really tiring. Marion, isn't it? You have it to is. You have to many... read so many books. Oh yeah. my gosh! And you have to read them all equally and give everything. You know, really, really, and then you thrash it out. And but what I love about Helen is she's not shy of saying how hard she works. I <laughs> really. Yeah. And it's good. I know. I've taken a leaf out of her book, and I now constantly tell everyone how hard I work because it's very affecting. <laughs> because she does. Yeah. Yeah, she does. Recently, uh, on another episode of of Book Off, we had uh, the fabulous jo- Georgia Pritchett on. I don't know if you know of Georgia, who is a writer. Yes. She's just published a memoir called "My Mess Is a Bit of a Life," and she writes uh, for Veep. And she wrote uh, for, for Succession, and she's an absolutely wow. fabulous uh, writer for the screen. And the memoir is brilliant as well. And it was astonishing to me to hear her say that she's spending more and more time working time in America because she's not the only woman in the room mm. in America. But yeah. in the UK, when she's writing on things, it's just her Horror. often and yeah. a load of men. Yeah. And I was... I mean, maybe I shouldn't have been, but I was a little bit surprised to hear that. And 
it, it comes back a bit to what you were saying, Nina, about when you're at events and there are some men who sort of want to give you an idea um, as opposed to just celebrate what you're writing and in sort of praising it. Um, and and she, was, she wasn't saying that about the people she worked with. She, she loved them very much. But it is, I don't know, it feels like maybe America's a little bit ahead of us in that sense of... Yeah. of supporting women in comedy maybe I'm, i don't know god you see i don't know i haven't been there in so long um but i do think that they approach comedy writing in a far more they're far cleverer about it because they have a much more diverse uh yeah. writers rooms are more diverse mm. not just in terms of you know women and men but like in you know in different um race backgrounds and you know, people who identify as non-binary. What was I thinking of? Something I read recently. Yeah, actually, no, it was, and just like that, like whatever your thoughts about it, they had a very diverse mm-hmm. writer's room. Um, so, I mean, I think in many ways, they are just far better at capitalism. You know, they are far better at trying to make a product that will sell a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think well in this put. part, yeah, but in this well part put. of the world, you know, mm. it comes back to what you were saying earlier, Joe, about like women being sexual. You know, we have that trope again that women aren't funny, mm. you know, mm. and and because of that, it is very hard to be a funny woman and to be confident about being one. Whereas, you know, I meet a lot of young male comics and they are just so sure of themselves. Mm. And I think when people show up and they're confident, you think, OK, I'll hire him. No, she doesn't. She has no belief in herself. I, I won't hire her. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's kind of a cause and effect, a chicken and egg thing as well. But um, I think, I think having seen people like young Rose Matafeo, mm. um, who is just, she's my latest. I just adore her. <laughs> you know, when something, when somebody like that breaks through, you think she, she's on a show called Starstruck Nina. She wrote it. Yeah. You will love it. It is just. Series two's just come out as yes, well, hasn't it, recently? Yeah, Rose you see, Matafeo. Rose Matafeo. It's called Starstruck. Yeah. We don't get it in Ireland, but because I'm here in London, I've been able to watch oh, it. Oh, great. Yeah, when you see somebody like her and she's young and she's she's very confident. Mm. That I mean, I know she's New Zealandish, but uh, Kiwi, you know, but like it's still. It still is, um, it gives hope, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. And I love a show called Taskmaster. I don't know if you've I seen that. I haven't, but I've heard so much <laughs> lovely things about it. Oh, well, it. I yeah. love it. Yeah. And uh, it got me through lockdown, which is when I sort of oh. first discovered it. Um, Alex Horn hosts it with, uh, yeah. with Greg Davis. And Rose was one of the contestants on one of the series, you know. But it, I'm discovering from this series amazingly funny people you know that i wouldn't necessarily have met before yes yeah so it's a really great series for one being entertaining i think and two to for discovering people like rose and and going on to see more of their work isn't that lovely i will i will track that down thank you you. channel four i think I've heard people talking about it. I'm just not very good at watching TV of any kind. I just don't know how to do it. <laughs> and there's never anyone to watch TV with. Oh, and, you know, yeah, I'm, that's, I'm I can't watch it on my own. Oh, you can't? Um, no, no, I need company. Oh. Yeah, I can't. I will just it, don't enjoy it. Will, will the pets I'm, I'm do or not? I'm from an age where everything yeah. was on at a certain time <laughs> and you all sat down together yes. and you watched it with your tea and then chatted about it and you meet someone the next day and chat about it. Yeah. I can't... Mind you, I did just watch this wonderful thing. It was called Yellow Jackets. Oh, I haven't seen it. I have heard... Me neither, yeah. I've heard good things. Did you see it, Joe? No, I've heard very good things about mm. Yellow Jackets. Very, very good. And it's this thing that Marion was just talking about. You know that it was written by a big room full of people who said, no, that doesn't work. Do this. Let's do this. Mm. That kind of collaborative... Let's have everyone involved here. Marion, have you ever written a, sc- a script? Have you done any? I haven't. Thing? I have done nothing like that ever. Um, a, I haven't been asked. B, I, this is awful. I don't want to. I like writing novels. I am oh. in my lane and I love mm-hmm. my lane. I'm at the age now where I am not ambitious. And yeah. I think a comfort zone is a wonderful thing. It's, yeah. you know, that awful thing of leave your comfort zone. Why? Mm. Why would I? Yeah. It's yeah. nice here. And the more time has gone on, the less I want to do something else. You know, mm. I don't want to uh, try anything else. Novels yeah. work for me. Mm. They make me happy. Yeah, yeah. And well, lo- that's great. I mean, I'd, I've d- written a couple of scripts. Have you? With, with somebody else, together, a duo. Mm. Me and this guy, my friend, John. 
and they, they've come to nothing. One was a, an adaptation of one of my novels and another was this brilliant idea we had. And we, we, we do it, we sort of go on holiday for a week and we do the scripting <sighs> and we have, we go to the co-op and buy a curry and then, and it's, uh, you know, and it's just, it, it's heaven, it's heaven. I mean, nothing's come of my scripting. Obviously we're not very good at it. Well, John is, he's brilliant, but it just is quite a fun thing. I, I, don't, I don't see it as a sort of a step forward, a, a sort of a progression. It's just something I did thinking it might work and it, it's just, it was just very enjoyable. I was just thinking of this collaborative working thing because I actually think you'd be great to have as a, as a, as a partner writing something. I think you'd, you'd, you're so collaborative as a person and you're so good at listening to other people. I think you, ironically, somebody who doesn't want to do it, and yet you would be the perfect person. Oh, Nina. <laughs> I mean, thank you, but I'm, I'm going to write a sitcom with you. <laughs> All right, okay. We will do it as we take the waters and bath. Yes, this is it. <laughs> yes. The plan has come together. Yes. Wonderful. <laughs> the first episode, the pilot, I believe <laughs> it's called. <laughs> You heard it here first. Um, just before we do the book off, I'd love to know uh, what you've both been reading and enjoying recently. Uh, Nina, anything on your radar that you'd like to tell us about that you've sort of really loved recently? Yes, a thing I've read, apart from Marion's book, which was the last novel I read, uh, which you know I love, um, I've, written, I've read, sorry, I've read a book of essays by an author called Lucy Ellman, who you'll be aware Ooh, of. Yes, yes, yes. Newbury yes. Um, it, I, I adored Duck's Newbury Port. I, I, it's Which was a book of most... shortlist, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. And yeah. I think it won, it won the Goldsmiths Prize. Yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah, yeah. But people were kind of a bit against it because it was long. It was mm. a thousand pages long. And people kind of got hooked, fixed on that and sort of went, oh, it's so big. Um no, I'm a fan of short novels, and I did think, oh, it's big, but it's, I'm going to read it. And I, I loved Duck's Newburyport. So when I saw recently that she put out these essays with the Gallybeg Press, who I love, mm. um, I read them, even though I'm not a huge essay reader. Um, and, my God, they are fantastic. <sighs> They're outrageous, really, really outrageous and furious and very, very funny. I mean, she's written one whole essay about bras, about how it's a, just a con and they're, <laughs> they're uncomfortable and why can't we just have our tits hanging out and just brilliant. I can't tell you how brilliant these essays are. Really angry, really funny. Marion, please read them. You I will, will, will love them. I will. I, I, best, it sounds great. The best thing to do is listen to the audiobook because they're read okay. by this actress, an American actress called Stephanie Allen, and she reads them with such wit and style. Anyway, that's my number one tip brilliant. at the moment. Thank you. Oh, and I love the Dutch title Newport. is um, it's Lucy Ellman, Things are against us. Things are against us. Okay, that's great. Thank you. And what about you, Marion? Anything else to, to yeah. throw into the mix? I mean, this is something completely different. It's a novel from Sarah Manning, who has written lots of um, novel, sort of comedy love stories. This one is called London with Love, and I cannot tell you. Uh, it's out, I think, May or June, and it feels to me it should be... It should have the reception like, do you remember when One Day by David Nichols mm. was out? It it gave me that same feeling. It starts in Hibernet or one of them places, like in 1986, in um, two people are doing their A-levels. It's a love story that spans from then to now. And it's about London. You know, it's about the, the, the London that used to be, mm. you know, even before the pandemic. It's... And I identified so much kind of like, you know, with the drinky, druggy 20s and then, you know, the serious relationship kind of in your early 30s. And, and it's about two people who are arses at various times, you know, they're, you know, and they're friends and then they're not friends. And and it was just it just had that same kind of effect as one day had on me. It was just mm. I was so completely invested. And it's just it's not just any other comedy romantic novel it's bigger and better than that it feels because it's a love story to a city as well and yeah. to a way of life I suppose that we really really that we didn't have during the pandemic and that again that word capitalism has kind of 
taken from us in so many ways, you know, like the la- like when I came to London, I lived in a squat, you know, you'd be hard pressed to find a squat these days. Do you know, like, mm. I mean, it was possible to live really cheaply in London and, and they were just wonderful, wonderful days. Anyway, I adored it. And I would I, the couple of people I know who have read the proof already felt the same. I just it's it's fabulous. Wonderful. Sarah Manning. Sarah Manning. S-A-R-R-A Manning. It sounds fabulous. Thank you both for those recommendations. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And it's time for another now because it is time for the book off where each of you is going to Pictures a book you love and think that we should all read. You're going to get three minutes to do so. You don't have to use your three minutes if you don't want to. But if you're still talking at the three minute mark, we'll either be honking oh, you I out with the bicycle horn <laughs> or ringing you out with the school bell. So as you're travelling the furthest, Nina, via, uh, you know, the Internet, yeah. would you like to go first or second? I'll go first. And Marion, I feel strong. I feel really you f- strong. You feel up for it. Good. Yeah. And Marion, at the three-minute mark, would you like to be honked out or rung out? Oh, honked! Absolutely. The honk is fantastic. The honk is all yours. That means you get the bell, Nina. And just before I start the timer, so does that mean I don't get honked? I have to have the bell. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh no! Give her the honk. Give her the honk. I'll take the bell. You want the bell? Genuinely. No, no, no. You, no. you love the honk. She Some loves the honk. Some people hate yeah. the honk. <laughs> you lo- You're tell making you what, assumptions. You can have the honk as well if you want. Yeah, I, I would prefer the honk, but you know, I don't we'll want to mess with This honk. is the first time I've ever done it, but <laughs> I'm going to do it for you both. You can both get honked. It's up. Valentine's Day. I'm feeling like you can both get a little bit uh, of so the bicycle horn. <laughs> um, just I'm, be- you know, I'm going first, so I don't have to follow Ms. <laughs> keys. And, and, so I don't even know what her book is. Tell us the book that you're putting forward, Nina, and then I'll start the timer. The book I'm going to talk about is The Fortnight in September by R.C. Sheriff. It's three minutes on the clock then. Over to you, uninterrupted, to tell us about The Fortnight in September. This is just about the most compelling, life-affirming novel I've read in recent years. But because it's an understated kind of book, I, I don't want to go for big superlative. So just I'm going to keep it on the, on the down. It was first published in 1931, and I first heard of it many, 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 many years later in 2020 when the novelist Kazuo Ishiguro wrote about it in an article about books to cheer us up in the pandemic, books that would uplift. So I read read about this novel and I ordered it straight away. And it's published by Persephone, which means it's a really lovely quality to paperback as well. Lots of beautiful um, end papers and things like that. Anyway, it's a simple, subtle tale of a lower middle class family from the London suburbs preparing to go on holiday and then getting on the train and going and then being on holiday in Bognor Regis. And the story opens the night before they go when they're preparing 
and getting themselves ready and, and getting ready to, to close the house up. And it's a big deal, this holiday, as it used to be in the 1930s. Of course, it would be a big, big deal. And um, off they go. And on one level, it's completely undramatic. I mean, you might say in the Seinfeld way, you know, nothing happens. But, but on another level, it's an absolute... Um, forensic look at this family on their holiday and it's September holiday Marion it's not blazing horrible July it's a, it's coming into autumn now I'm going to just quickly try and read you a tiny bit just give you a tiny flavor this is when they've arrived um uh, they've done all their prep and they've got there on the train and they're just they've shrugged off their city clothes and they've slipped into their holiday garb for Mr Stevens and his children loved the sea in all its moods. They loved it when it lay quietly at its ebb, murmuring in its sleep, and when it awoke and came rippling over the sands. At its full on a peaceful evening, lazily slapping the shingle, but best of all they loved it as it was today, roaring wildly round the groins, booming and sighing in the cavernous places beneath the pier, crashing against the sea wall and showering them with spray. Every one of its thousand calls had a different note. Every sound was wild with freedom. So that's kind of the tone of it. It's very descriptive. It's a real classic sort of novel. Um, it's full of moments of joy as they go and see a band on the pier. And then it's full of little moments of poignancy. Okay. <laughs> I think well, I did quite well. I there. think you did very yeah, well. Yeah, it sounds gorgeous. Beat that, Marion. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I won't be able to, uh, but I will I will I will still do my best for this this book. That was a brilliant was. pitch. Um, have a little breather now. You deserve yeah, it, Nina. Exhausted. <laughs> I'm going to put three minutes back on the clock for you, Marion. Just before I start it, tell us the book that you're putting forward. Um, the book I've picked is um, a novel called Gravity Is the Thing by Jacqueline Moriarty. Fantastic. All right, three minutes on the clock then, uninterrupted, for you to tell us about Gravity is the Thing. OK, so Gravity is the Thing is by um, an Australian writer called Jacqueline Moriarty. She normally writes young adult novels. This is her first um, her first adult novel. And, um, and bear with me, it's about a woman learning to fly. And it's not learning to fly a plane, but like learning to fly by herself, like without machines. Um, and I know that sounds kind of, you know, like so irritatingly quirky but other than that one kind of large piece of whimsy it is the most beautiful book right so 20 years ago her name is Abigail Abigail's brother Robert disappeared one day before her 16th birthday and and he has never never reappeared and that same year she began receiving chapters in the post of a self-help manual called the guidebook and the author of the guidebook is anonymous but the um, anonymous author promises to make her life soar to heights beyond her wildest dreams so over the 20 years like these pages kind of uh, appear you know you know uh, spasmodically um and she she doesn't ever really kind of figure it out but um but it's a comfort to her and her brother never comes back um and her family grieve and um she meets a lovely man and the story of them falling in love is really beautiful they move to canada then the marriage breaks up and she writes about that you know in a it's incredibly real and painful um and she moves back to sydney with her son and she opens a cafe and then she gets something in the book in in the in the mail saying she's invited to again more more suspend disbelief to an all expensive expenses paid weekend um to a retreat to learn the truth about the guidebook so she flies to tasmania and all these other people fly in and it's all about learning to fly and obviously this is not a tale of gritty realism, apart from the bits that are. Um, and I've written, it's a novel of profound emotional intelligence. It's absolutely beautiful on falling in love and on her, her love for her son. Um, and apart from being asked to suspend disbelief on one subject, the rest of this witty, funny no novel is credible, absorbing and at times painful. But it, the ending is so beautiful. And I mean... 
if you're feeling afraid of the world, you know, and if you're feeling just it's all too much, you could just disappear into gravity is the thing. And honestly, reading it, it made my heart feel bigger. It made me love people and it made me so grateful for the people that I have. And if you have any shred of quirk in your heart at all, lean into this. It won't do you any harm. And honestly, it's a magical book. It's one of my most favourite books ever. And almost nobody has read it and I wish they would. I will leave it there. I didn't thank you. Give me thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you had three seconds to spare, Marion, but there you go. You get honked anyway. Thank you. I appreciate oh, it. Fabulous. Uh, two wonderful pitches. Uh, we need to talk about these books a little bit more very briefly. I don't know either of them, and I'm thrilled that you've told me about them because I definitely want to read The Fortnight in September after hearing your pitch, Nina. Um, that... That passage that you read was just wonderful and, it, and a, a beautiful way to sort of sum up what you had said. Mm. I love that both of these books actually are, you know, t- books that would cheer us up. You yeah. both said in your pictures that yeah. you can sort of disappear into these. And the Seinfeld reference, I know it was you weren't comparing the two, but I, I love Seinfeld. I love the fact that nothing happens and yet everything yeah. happens. And... You saying that about this book has just made me think, oh, yes, I could happily disappear into this mm. seaside trip for a little while. It sounds absolutely fab. And Marion, I don't know of Gravity as a thing either, the first I've heard of it. And I think we've all got a little bit of quirk in our hearts, haven't we? We've all got a I little bit. I would hope. Bit. I would hope. I think so. Yeah. But you use the word beautiful about three or four times. And I think that's telling of what this book means to you and how it's written, how a book could you know, be painful and witty. It, that's that's a hard thing to do, but when it's done right, wonderful. And I love this one. The, the woman is learning to literally fly. Yeah. I just think that's, as soon as you yeah. told me that. They lie I was... on the floor on a yoga mat and they flap their arms <laughs> and they don't fly. No, but <laughs> I just they? love that, you know, you drew me in straight away with that. And um, I don't, yeah, I... I don't know how many people will have heard of this book. Yeah, I I mean, I thought it would be massive. Mm. Yeah, because it's so gorgeous. I know more of her sister. Her sister is... It's Leanne, Leanne Moriarty. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's Leanne's yeah. sister. sister. Yeah. yeah. And Leanne right. is is very famous and I've 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 read many of her books I love her yes me too well she, and she wrote Big Little Lies she did she, yeah. she did yeah, and yeah. Apples Never Fall That's uh, right. yeah and Jacqueline is her older sister and yeah, they're very, very close. There's another sister, Nicola, who writes as well. Yes. Yeah, you know. Wow. Yeah, oh my I know. Goodness me. Yeah, I've met them all. I went for tea with them well, in Sydney. I'm dying <laughs> to, to read it. I mean, yeah, me too. I'm, I'm dying to read both of them, and I thought you both pitched beautifully. I, I love that this is a, a magical book to you, and that you've, you know, you're championing this. Oh, what a dis. I mean, a tough decision, isn't it? The fortnight in September sounds so. I mean. I've got to pick one. I'm, there's a bit of quirk in my heart today, so I, I think I'm going to go for gravity is the thing, Marion. I think you've just clinched it. Well, uh, but uh, we are all Jeez. going to read. We are all going to read a fortnight in September. Marion would are. rather have not won. I yes. would have. I would. But can we just say, can we also just say, thank you, Joe. Can we say how great Persephone Press is? Yes, we you can. You know, like, the, it is so beautiful. Yeah, I threw what that they, in. Yeah. Yeah, and quite <clears> rightly. <throat> Absolutely, we should spare I, I a don't, moment for look, Persephone. I, I'm not, I wouldn't make my mind win, but I do think they are equally brilliant. Yeah. And, Joe, you had to come down. You, you had, had to, to pick one, and, and it's an awful job. Oh, yeah. Well, also, so Nina, she's in the room with me. So, That's you know, so true. I know, I know, I completely get it. And I'm dying to read um, This Gravity is the Thing. But I, the reason I picked... The RC Sheriff, even though I've heard your podcast a lot and I hear the things people pick. And (laughs) I mean, what Georgia Pritchett picked, I just thought, how could anyone beat that? Yeah. What did she pick? The the biscuit thing. It was a a woman who has Tourette's. That's right. Who wrote about having Tourette's and saying biscuit 3000 times a day. It is just sounds incredible. And then I heard, I mean, just, you know, Olivia Lang and yes. uh, Hadrian the Seventh, and <laughs> I do, I, so I just thought I'm just going to go for a really, really good novel that I love. And Marion's done the same. I think we've yeah. We've I think you, we've been sincere. Yeah. 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 You, you are 
you're basically joint winners. And that yeah, book, we are. Um, we both got the yeah. honk. Yeah, I'll yeah, you yeah. both got the honk. And yeah, I'll take it. The uh, book that um, Georgia pitched was called Welcome to Biscuitland by Jess Thorne. Jess Thorne. Yeah, okay. Which is Welcome to Biscuitland. Okay, that's after hearing so her pitch, yeah. I, I did go and get it. Um, and I, it's been so lovely spending this time with you both. Thank you for joining me. I've actually got you both a little present. And I mean, partly, I'll call it a marketing exercise in one part because you, <laughs> I've got these book off tote bags for you. Oh, that's there you go. That's for you. Can you see that, Nina? That's what. So I'm going to yeah, send one of those in the post lovely. to you. Or I, can I thought it, it was a bat. beer mat. Or you could take it. Well, to... I could take it to bath. Yes. Nina. Oh, the, yes and this please. one's for you, Marion. Oh, That's thank your you book so off tote. much. I love it. And it also comes it. with. Um, and I, I'm not sure I can send one of these in the <gasps> post to you, Nina. But I did get They're you a little edible. Valentine's treat. Oh, that is a little my God. donut. Oh, would you stop it? Which you can enjoy or share or not. Oh. What do you reckon? Oh. Nina, can you oh, see? They look, oh, they look that lovely. Is, Nina, I'll see if so I can get, get one much. to Cornwall without crushing it. Oh, I, listen, I'll bring you something. You to, won't be able to. I'll bring you bring something in the bag to pass. Oh, OK, that's yeah. a good I idea. I yes. will, no, I will. Thank you so much. Well, thank you both. It's been an absolute pleasure. And again, Rachel by Marion Keyes is out now. It's published by Michael Joseph. And One Day I Shall Astonish the World by Nina Stibby is out in April, published by Viking. And available, I'm sure, to pre-order now from all absolutely. good bookshops. Yeah. Well worth think. it. Thank it's you both so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. I've really loved it. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. Thank you both. Thank that was you, great Nina. fun. See you in Bath. Thank you, Joe. That was my, really my, lovely. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.